Hello and welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly discussion of culture, news, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the most astonishing metropolitan area between Omaha and Salt Lake. This week, we will be discussing Metro State changing its name to Denver State University, the Caucus phenomenon, and the one thing that would or could improve Denver. In the studio this week, we have Westward's Joel Warner. Uh, myself, John Dicker, the washed-up author and journalist, and another washed-up journalist, our very own Josh Johnson, who will be a regular cast member of the Die Tribe starting today. Josh, who are you, and how did you get here? Um, well, I got here by car. And <laughs> um, yeah, you, you are correct. I am um, a washed-up journalist as well that is now in marketing, um, but I do do some freelance writing on the side. Um, Perhaps most of note, I'm moving to Denver from Fort Collins, and as I'm learning about Denver, I guess I'll be able to offer a more realistic perspective. A fresh perspective. Yes. Yes. Realistic. Uh, You're immigrating. I'm immigrating, yeah. Cool. Do we like like having uh, folks populating our city? Do we want to be more of a melting pot, or do we like it the way we are? Like, are we pro folks like Josh? Coming to their city? Well, uh, yes, but mainly because he's coming to Fort Collins by way of New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I actually, I am for because uh, I'm biased because I'm one of them. Actually, we're all one of one of them East Coasters who've ended up in Colorado, and I miss I do miss East Coast people, and I know I'll take some flack from the people with their goddamn native bumper stickers, uh, mm-hmm. but I like it. They're okay. my, they're my people. They talk fast. They think fast. They're they're a bit pushy and and, and obnoxious, but in a, often in a good way. You look like getting pushed a bit. Uh, yeah. Okay, good. Okay, directness. We'll call it directness. Yeah. You want passive aggressiveness? Go to Seattle. Right. <laughs> All right, let's, move, let's go to the first topic, uh, which is the bizarre, seemingly bizarre decision of Metropolitan State University to change its name to Denver State University, a, a move that – I think all polling suggests is wildly unpopular among alumni and and students. Well, actually, the original name was actually Metropolitan State College of Denver. So okay. it was actually Metropolitan State College. And so I guess over the past year, Metro State has been thinking of, okay, what we need to do is change our name. That's going to make all the difference. So I guess they threw out some finalists to students and alums, um, including just keeping it as Metro State College of Denver. Imagine that. They put out um, also Metro State University was actually one of the other choices. And there was also Denver State University. And if you look at the polling, um, majority of alumni students actually wanted to keep either the old name or at the you know or uh, change it to Metro State U- University. They, they seemed like they wanted to keep Metro State. But for whatever reason, then the trustee said, well, screw that. We want to be called Denver State University. Now, it still has to be passed by the legislature, but I don't think it's that controversial a topic. Right. But but it has kind of generated some feisty responses online. But is this is this a situation where they hire some brand marketing firm that charges a shit ton of money and at the end of it they feel like they need to have done something yeah and and the real story is how much is this brand shop that they're they're paying uh charging the university for this seemingly inconsequential decision 
A, and then a lot of the blog comments that I've read are people saying people are saying, well, they're trying to capitalize on uh, University of Denver's sort of appeal and prowess. And so, I mean, do they really think someone's going to accidentally go to the wrong college because the name is different? Like, I, I don't get that. I do think it's funny that there's maybe some, like, some DU alums were all fired up about this, about, like, Metro trying to steal their name somehow. <laughs> and then there's a whole, this whole thing about how, well, would it be DSU? Or would it be UD? Because theoretically, University of Denver should be UD, but it's always been the opposite. It's always been DU, just like University of Colorado has always been CU. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. You know, in some ways, I think it's just one more example of Colorado just feeling inadequate that, that the University of California got to come up with their cool little kind of college uh, abbreviations first. So we were left with the wrong versions of our, of our college abbreviations. I guess I'm a little unclear on what the motivation is to change it. Is it a refreshing of the brand? Is that yeah? The, the, well, the quotes that I've read in the papers uh, are just saying that the name no longer reflects the size and the, the basically we've outgrown it. We're too awesome. Is right. this, is what the flax are saying? And I don't I don't quite get that. Yeah, either. I don't see that. I mean, it seems that Metro is a unique name for a college. Yeah, I mean, are there any others? See, I kind of like the name Metro. It, you yeah. know, it actually makes it makes uh, university sound more, say, what metropolitan, metropolitan, right? I mean, I mean, it sounds like it's a big city. I'm going to Metro. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to the big city to get my to get my big city degree and right. whatever you learn about the big cities. It's more memorable. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, Josh. You're the the marketing guy here, but usually when companies do a rebrand, they do their logo. They you know. They might change a bunch of their messaging, but they don't change their name unless they're, you know, Philip Morris changing to Altria after, uh, you know, so much bad, yeah, Yeah. so much bad press. Or Kentucky Fried Chicken going to KFC because they don't want to use the word fried. Yeah. Um, It's, well, I mean, you, you would want to create a brand distinction. And I think that the name Metro is more distinct than what they're changing. Denver State. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's going to create confusion. So do you think that there are kids who've gotten into uh, DU are going to show up at Denver State and be like, where am I? Yeah. Where's my classes? It's a possibility, right? <laughs> Which actually, I mean, imagine kind of want them to change their name now. That actually sounds more fun. Imagine it in a Google search, what the return yeah. is going to be. Yeah. So, yeah. So how much money, like, how much money is Denver State University going to have to spend on top of this to muck around with the Google searches? Quite a bit. Now, did you guys read some of the alternatives that I threw out there? Uh, yeah, I read it. So why don't you read some? Uh, most of these come from my colleague Westward, uh, Jeff Audi, who's the arts and culture editor. is also just a really funny guy. We came up with a list of what we thought would be uh, better names for Metro State. And, of course, we got a lot of flack from everybody for these names. Uh, we have Vocational College of Business Finance Degrees, Denver Community College of Two More Years, Some College of Denver. And Denver University of Lowered Expectations. <laughs> yeah, you got slammed for being uh, elitists. Yes. Right. Because um, that was really our point. We actually do really hate Metro. It was actually that, – that's what we were trying to prove. <laughs> Not just have some fun. All right. Speaking of fun, let's move on to the next topic, which is – Josh, I think you, you – this was your idea. It was. And it's the kind of coffice co-working phenomenon. Well, there's two things. There's one is – People, the term coffice refers to people who use a coffee shop as their office. The coworker 
sort of movement are shared workspaces where you pay a small amount of rent, but you, you have a bunch of cubicles, but you're all freelancers, but you don't want to work from home because you're going stir crazy and you need social stimulation, mm-hmm. which also a coffee shop can provide. And Josh, you mentioned in, in your idea for this that are we ripping off coffee shops by basically camping out there all day uh, to spend $2 on a cup of coffee? Sure. Yeah, I mean, if you figure out if you figure out that somebody's going to spend eight hours in a nine square foot space, how much is that retail space worth? How much is the coffee shop paying for that space? And I would imagine it's more than two dollars a day. And yet, the benefit of having a vibrant kind of coffee shop environment—I mean, you know—my assumption is that was the reason why Starbucks stopped charging for Wi-Fi, and now now you can go to Starbucks and get Wi-Fi for free. One of the reasons I think is that they realized the value of making the coffee shops a destination. Well, yeah. I th- no, I think Starbucks did that because every single independent coffee shop on the planet had free Wi-Fi. They were, they were they, forced. They, yeah, they were more or less forced. Yeah, the okay. Starbucks doesn't want people hanging out. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think so. They, they want you hanging out for the, the time it takes you to drink a cup of coffee. You know, it's, it's why it's – I mean, they may look nicer inside, but it's essentially a McDonald's, and it's why McDonald's has uncomfortable seats. Yeah. You know, or head shops in Amsterdam don't have couches. <laughs> we don't? No. No, they have uncomfortable well, then seats. Why would you ever want to go to head shops then? <laughs> <laughs> Coffee shops, they call them, I guess. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's this weird – striking a weird balance between coffee shops desiring to be community spaces – and, and, a, and a, a social hub, but, but something that's more meaningful than just social. You know, they, it's where they bring in art and, they, and they'll have uh, discussions and show films and, and, and occasionally do fundraisers for community members. Like St. Mark's is doing a decorate a birdhouse um, fundraiser right now. And, and also, so it's balancing between being a community space, which has to almost by definition be utilized without having to pay too much into it. Right. And also being a business, you know, that that has to figure out how long can a person stay, how much space can they use before we start losing money. Well, I think the big problem with the economics of a lot of these coffee shops, the reason I don't spend a ton of money there is – and St. Mark's is a little different because you can get beer. Yeah, Uh, you can. But – most of the these places, including St. Mark's, their food is mediocre. I don't want right. to go there for lunch. In fact, if I go there and I get particularly hungry, I want to go somewhere else to eat. Right. Uh, they almost, almost none of them have have good food, and that's that's a problem. Sure, sure. So you're suggesting they should have more purchase points or yes, exactly, more, more opportunities to spend. If, if that is, but my other, you know reptilian neoliberal part of my brain is saying that if this was really a problem for coffee shops they would either limit the wi-fi or they would give you a password that was good and some places do some places do this i know two places right around here uh one uh gallup coffee shop right on uh 32nd and zunai which is which is always packed they actually tell people that during like rush hours people cannot sit there and use their laptops and then across the street, I think Wooden Spoon, which actually does have good food and it is really good coffee too. I'll give I'll give that as an exception. They, I think, have put up a sign noting kind of the same thing, which is that I think it's that Wi-Fi has to be limited during really really uh, busy um, kind of times during the day. That's you know, I think one of the reasons why is because both those places are actually really small. Mm-hmm. Right. 
But then, therefore, like like around here, well, at least you know, around Northwest Denver, like see, I can't find a really good coffee shop then where you know if I want to go sit and camp out and yeah. use their space and their Wi-Fi for free, damn them. Mm-hmm. I can't really find them. But I, my, my point before you rudely interrupted. Oh, me. I'm so sorry, John. <laughs> no, I, Wait, you want some pushing? I'm from you know I'm from the Northeast. I have to push. Yeah, but you're from Boston. Um, <laughs> uh, it's just that if the, if it was really a problem in a lot of places, there would be almost every coffee shop would do what you described to those two shops do, which is limit your time. And I find most of them don't, and I, I don't feel any sort of pushiness from wait staff to get out of to get out of there. Yeah. And I, and Have you I, ever I, got I, that? Have either of you guys ever been kind of given the, like the stink eye from the barista? No. For not getting a third double espresso. While but St. Mark's used, went through a phase, and I, I took a picture of it once because it, it annoyed me so much. This is a couple of years ago where they'd write these passive-aggressive notes uh, up top by the checkout about you if you use this place as an office, you have to pay rent. But the thing is they never said what the rent was. Right. They basically said, don't camp out here. But we're not going to tell you, hey, we need you to spend $5 an hour, you know, or, right. or what that – so it just always came off as a little bit of a tantrum without any specifics. And I support their right to kick people out or charge what they have to charge to make money, but it was just weird because it was so not specific. I always try to take care of the wait stuff. So how I do you take care of the wait I, stuff? I tip a lot more than I normally would. The and job, I don't know. That's not the how job to pull some espresso shots for them. Be like, what? hey, you know, if you want to do some of my, here's some of my kind of like – the correspondence, I'll go and pull some espresso shots for you, right. barista. Yeah, no, right. you've done that. No, I, ha- I haven't done that. <laughs> and I guess, I guess that approach of, of trying to take care of, of the baristas is not helping the establishment, and mostly it's trying to prevent them from hating me. Yeah. From well, if you, if you keep the staff happy, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. That's helping the well. That is helping the establishment. Sure, sure. You're 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 uh, supplementing their wages. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, I'm going to go super backlash now on, on this whole concept of like working in coffee shops and the whole co-working thing. Is this just people needing a new form of procrastination? You know, instead of just buckling down, you know, if they're going to work from home, shouldn't they just buckle down and sit in your home office and get your shit done? Instead, you have to go to some co-office where you can have other people to talk about uh, what you watched on freaking... CBS last night. What do you well, watch? Shop? A, watch a Steve, CBS. I'm just saying, whatever. Actually, well, I'll watch it. I yeah. watch. I watch 60 Who, minutes. Okay, so there you go. So you, you could talk about what you watch on 60 minutes, or you go work at a coffee shop where it's too loud to like really focus hard on your work. I mean, is this is this like people's need to find a new form of procrastination instead of just getting their shit done where they are? I, don't, I wouldn't. I mean, as someone who does this quite often, I wouldn't call it procrastination. I. I mean, I think that I'm. I'm more productive when I do have a change in, of environment. And then I think in an office place that is like popping into somebody else's room or office to bounce ideas off of them. You know, when you're home alone with your dog, you can't really don't have the opportunity to do that. And I don't know that I have the opportunity to do that at a coffee shop either. But there is. And there's an energy level and a, and a stimulation that's going on that sort of, of keeps me um, yeah, I mean, alert I work, and focused. When I'm not at a coffee shop, I'm in my basement working where it's fairly dark, and I just get really uh, anxious and dispirited after like four hours. Yeah. yeah. I need to see other people. Right. Or I get distracted by the dishes in the sink. Or I get distracted by things that are going on around the house. There's something about going to a workplace and, and where you get up and you go at 8 o'clock and then you come home at 5 or whatever, um, where you're chained to your desk 
You know, and at a coffee shop, you can't get up and wander around like you sort of can at at your home desk. Yeah. And get distracted by things at at the home. Plus, I like to go in the afternoon so that when I'm done for the day, I actually return home. You know, so it's not like, up clocking out, you know, I guess I'll go sit on the couch now. (laughs) So there's like a mental break. Which you can yeah. be like, okay, psychologically now I'm done with my work. I'm going to go right. on time, home time. And I think I think people that that are the, the co-working movement, I guess you could call it. Um, and and I only know of the one in Fort Collins. I mean, there's the Boulder Digital Arts. I know there's a few, there's a in, few Denver. in Denver. Yeah, yeah. but um, the people that go go to that place, it is to fulfill that need of of going to work. There's 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 something about that culturally, habitually. For us as people like to go to work. And and my experience with the Cohere community in, in um, Fort Collins is that there certainly is a little bit of water cooler chat, but it's probably less than you would find in, a, in an average office because you don't have that connection with these people. You're not working on the same things. Yeah. But um, the, at least the one Cohere community in, uh, in Fort Collins, they have structured brainstorming sessions. So there's all these different people there with with you know diverse talents working on different things, but you you can get together if you want and go to the conference room and have a meeting, and throw out what you're working on and then get feedback from them and vice versa. Um, but as as I think we are culturally moving towards there being less of a of a, a central office space for for companies is in this new model that things like this will um, be sprouting up. And maybe if coffee shops can figure out a better way to capitalize that, be it like better food or something, this could be a boon for independent coffee shops. You well, know? why don't you – well, and actually, I think we're – What if it was a member-based coffee shop? Well, I what think if it was somewhere between coffee shop and a club? I think there's yeah. one actually that's not popping up. I think Fluid Coffee Bar has started some type of like co-workspace. Uh, Fluid Coffee Bar, which is kind of right off – Right off Capitol Hill, a really nice coffee shop. It's right by uh, Jonesy's. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yep. And I think from what I've gathered from my recent Facebook reconnaissance, that I think <laughs> they have some type of kind of co-work arrangement like sprouting up through Fluid, because I guess the Fluid um, kind of managers kind of noticed the people doing that. So maybe they found some way sure. to actually kind of, like you said, pay like rent part of that space, and maybe they get some type of kind of coffee perks or... Yeah, brand, brand muffins, <laughs> you know, right? Payment, which right. you know might might make sense. I mean, it might make sense. Question is, how long will it last? Or is it just like the communes of the sixties? Is this kind of the tech version of the commune, and everyone? Well, yeah, they'll see, they'll see what if the business model supports it or or not. Right. Um, all right. Anything else on this? I think we should no, move on. I think we. All right. Cool. Destroyed it. This <laughs> we killed it, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, this one up. <laughs> this uh, was Jared's idea. Who's uh, not with us? He's in. Toronto, which yeah. is in Canada. Apparently. I think he's going to the beaches. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> the idea is, if you had one thing, if you had one, a magic wand or whatever, and you could improve Denver in one way, that's somewhat realistic. You know what I mean? Not you know, gravity doesn't apply. Right. You know, not, something that actually could work. See, I wanted magic swords, but I guess I guess it, that doesn't work. Uh, what would it be? Okay. So that was a, that was it. Had to be somewhat realistic. So I'll start with mine. Okay. Which is mine is that you extend the 16th Street Mall ride from where it terminates, uh, right kind of where the Denver Post is, to all the way up Colfax to the Lowenstein Center uh, by Twist and Shout and uh, uh, Tattered Cover. And I know that that's you know that's a good what mile and a half, 
it would just open up Colfax uh, for more – people would see more of Denver who come here just for convention or whatever and are stuck in Lodo. Um, and, you know, the other – you know, I know it would take away from RTD ridership. So maybe if you got on at uh, the last stop of – its current stop, you pay a 50-cent surcharge to help it pay for itself. But I know there's been the idea of a trolley down Colfax that would create a lot of headaches uh, in construction. This, I don't think, would. Um, I don't know. It would just make our city smaller in a good way. That's More accessible. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, for me, I have to say, I just came up with this. It's it's an oldie but a goodie, and that is a downtown uh, grocery store, hopefully a Trader Joe's. Because everyone wants a downtown Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you aren't American. Mm-hmm. That's that's all I have to say for my suggestion. Josh, it's my understanding that Trader Joe's isn't coming in because of our liquor laws. I don't know. Is it that seems the truth like, of it? Like, but if, I think if Trader Joe's really wanted to come here, they would find a way. I don't think they. You know, I think they would, like they can't come to Colorado. That's just kind of bullshit. Right. I was I was just always told that it was the um, selling beer in supermarkets, which which like, may which may change now, which may change it, now. Yeah. But they can also like they can have one supermarket that sells beer. They right. Have one. So why don't have one gigantic Trader Joe's right. down, downtown? They can sell their two-buck chuck and want to be very happy. Right. They, they are in Albuquerque and Santa Fe. I thought they were just in Santa Fe, but they are in Albuquerque as well. They're in Albuquerque and not in Denver. Yeah. What the hell? I know. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm not even going to go there this time. I'm just going to leave it at that. What? I've hell? never been in a Trader Joe's. I hate to keep harping on Joe's? it. Yeah, what is and but everybody that goes to Trader Joe's, they're all huge fans. Can you okay. Explain to me what the difference is between Trader Joe's and say a Whole Foods, um, it, or a Sunflower. It's smaller, friendlier, less snobby than Whole Foods, and most importantly, it's much so it's much cheaper. Oh, it is. Oh yeah, the prices are are very good. Have you been to like Sunflower Market? I love Sunflower. Sunflower Market. is kind of a fairly good kind of knockoff. Not not the same as Trader Joe's. But you know, right. you know, I think it has some comparable qualities to it. To yeah, Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's also they have a lot of you know they have a lot of in-store brands, and as a result, they they lower you can get cheaper prices. They don't have, if in my understanding, they don't have every single thing you need. Produce no. are kind of limited. In yeah, Trader Joe's produce. For a reason, yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny. They actually huh. limit the produce in some ways. I think they're more. More space for really good cheap wine and more of their own kind of kind of house branded brand. products. Right, yeah. but they are yeah. You can get better deals, but you can't. You might if you're looking for some obscure you know ingredient, you you're not going to have the best yeah. luck there. Um, and everybody wears Hawaiian shirts, which is another thing. Maybe that's how we could improve Denver. People should wear more Hawaiian shirts. We should just have Hawaiian Day. Yeah, Hawaiian Day. Yeah. All right, Josh, yeah. you're you're new here. And you're actually you're still you're still commuting. But what, 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 what do you have? Um, you know, and 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 this is maybe maybe I'm wrong about this, but it doesn't appear to me that there is a distinct arts district in the same way there are in bigger cities. Would you you wouldn't count Santa Fe the where they have First Friday as a arts? You know, I've been down there. I've been down there enough to really is that a place that you would go if it wasn't First Friday? Would you would you be like go down there to see a play and go to dinner and go? Maybe maybe (laughs) no no you're right. I mean it doesn't have. The kind of the neighborhoody feel that we get in some like some, some cities have branded neighborhoods as that feel right. They've been trying to do that in Denver with the whole uh, like Fourteenth Street improvement with the uh, uh, Denver Performing Arts Complex, and now they have the big billboards up there because they're trying to kind of recreate Times Square. Right. But there's basically what like two restaurants. There's a like corner office. 
and then you go across the street and watch your show. Right. And there's not really much by way of museums or art galleries, so it seems like too little, too late. I know what you mean. I mean, I as a neighborhood, I yeah. think that's the best way of describing it. It's not. It's not a, an arts district that's not just a collection of galleries, but is. There's more going on to it. Like people yeah. are living there and they're creating there as well. Yeah. You know, so you go to that, and it always these these places usually s- sprout up in what were, um, you know, lower income communities because where the artists can afford it. So, so more gentrification. More gentrification. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Hawaiian shirts. And Hawaiian shirts only once a month though. Yeah. Because but, I, but I gentrification really... every day. <laughs> gentrification <laughs> year round. Yay, Denver. All right. Well, that, there was that. Uh, <laughs> listeners, all 12 of you, go on our Facebook page if you have other ideas that you think we totally missed or if you want to debate our ideas, by all means, uh, shout it out on our Facebook. Um, yeah, we'll throw it out this week on Facebook. Closing with, with our usual love and hate, um, I'm going to kick it to Joel first. Okay. I have a multimedia love this week. I have a video that uh, the local talented comedian and regular uh, Denver diatribe guest star Adam Caton Holland uh, did interview with uh, James Mejia, who's one of the 17,000 mayoral candidates here in Denver. And I'm just going to let you guys just listen to it for a bit because it's pretty damn fantastic. During his campaign, former Mayor Hickenlooper, now Governor Hickenlooper, notoriously fed meters in his commercials. And then uh, Mayor Webb had his iconic sneakers that he wore everywhere. What's going to be the James Mejia shtick? Well, i got to tell you, it's, it's getting back into the neighborhoods, making sure that the neighborhoods and residents of Denver know that they've got a place in city government. Mm-hmm. Can I make a suggestion? Please. Hot pockets. Full of money. <laughs> I don't think you have to be so condescending about it. I'm not trying to be condescending, um, but what would happen if they actually bit into the money? They're not going to eat the money, James. Okay. It's a prize. There we go. That was uh, that was Adam Caton Holland and uh, James Mejia. He was a good sport. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's your love. Yeah, that's my that's my love. Josh, what do you got? Um, you know, I, before I, I knew that that was going to be Joel's love, I was going to pick the um, amateur stand-up comedy in Denver. Yeah. I think, I think there's a strong scene, which includes Mr. Caton uh, Holland. Okay. So you like that. So so coming to Denver, that's one of the first strong things perk. you've noticed. Yeah. Okay. Nice. All right. Well, I'm going to both love and hate on the decision to fire uh, police officers De- Devin Sparks and Randy Murr. And this is from the De Herrera uh, beating outside in Lodo from 2009 where they're caught on videotape and the videotape was the only reason this case you know existed um, but it took two years for them to get uh, to get them for them to lose their badges and it seemed like the the DPD did the right thing letting them go and a big hate to the Denver Police Union who's on pr- procedural legalistic bullshit grounds is appealing still for these guys to get their badges back, which I think is a shame, especially in a time when every single opinionator uh, will tell you, uh, liberal or conservative, how much uh, the teachers' unions suck because you can't fire a teacher. And yet a police officer can be beating citizens on tape uh, for no good reason, and they can't lose their jobs. Or it takes, you know, 
this long and this much pressure and the luck of being on tape to to get them to to have some justice there. So I guess the moral of the story is videotape everything everywhere. Okay. I like that. Well, that's all the videotaping we have time for. Thanks to Josh and Joel and all 12 of our listeners. We are on Twitter at Denver Diatribe, denverdiatribe.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and we will see you next week.